This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name's Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming week. Cam, good morning. Uh, What is is your big focus here in August on on the personal side? What are you hoping to to do this month? Well, I'm actually looking forward to to taking my son out on his first uh, shark fishing trip uh, on Stellwagen Bank. So... um, you know, of course, always a weather-dependent exercise, but uh, I've been giving him words of fatherly wisdom, like if you fall over, don't splash <laughs> until we get you out. Well, I'm excited for the reboot of Jaws 2021. <laughs> um, so uh, taking a look at markets and the, the countries and regions we track, which is everywhere, um, it seems like we went back to a... Uh, a more calm time. And we went back to a place that people know, which is earnings. Uh, It seemed like that was a big focus last week, at least in the US. Um, Do you think that that's primarily the activity we saw or is there something else happening? No, that was certainly my take. Uh, You know, this is a a period of many narratives, and one of the ones that is sort of bubbling up is the uh, search for what's been dubbed the new normal. Um, and you know, <laughs> given the trouble I have sort of trying to pull the threads together, uh, I can understand why a lot of investors, especially on the summer holidays, are really <laughs> giving it a pass till the fall. Um, but you know, one one metric which has stood the test of time, which is corporate earnings, uh, has been glowing bright. And certainly the flows we saw this week, I think, sort of reflected a conviction that here it was finally something you could hang your hat on. Um, so we saw, you know, solid flows into U.S. equity funds and then, you know, slightly above average flows into Europe and global equity funds this week. And, and those were those apart from the fact U.S. bond funds keep getting money were the uh, were sort of the standout points for me in the data. And what about at a sector level? Do, did we see any in particular outperform or maybe disappoint and, and draw assets? Not really. We saw one fund group um, sort of do a bounce back, which was financial sector funds. They uh, uh, had suffered, uh, I think, <laughs> I think as much as anything from their own candor um, in the run up to the earnings seasons. A number of the bigger players, uh, I think, wisely pointed out that it would be hard to duplicate the the conditions that had generated such good earnings so far this year, and therefore you might need to adjust expectations. Um, but in this constant search for value, you know, any fund group that sort of gets even modestly beaten down tends to sooner rather than later uh, draw people uh, back into it. Um, one thing I did think that was interesting uh, about the um, the flows into the uh, financial um, uh 
sector funds is that the ones claiming uh, ESG SRI status uh, seem to be sort of <laughs> losing their PR war. Um, during the first quarter, those funds were sort of pulling in, you know, 65 to 70 million a week on average. That dropped to around 30 million in the second quarter. And so far this quarter, it's running at about an outflow of 5 million. It did seem, and I know we've seen a couple reports from uh, others in the in the in a similar uh, field to what we do, who said that ESG investment is picking up. But it really seems like that's the opposite of what we've seen happen over the last six months. Right. Uh, you know, it, it remains very consistent, and uh, you know, as I keep saying, a lot of the fund groups, uh, the managers in them would. Um, I won't say kill, but they do quite a bit to sort of get the sort of consistency and depths of flows that uh, their SRI ESG counterparts have been enjoying. But we've definitely seen the the overall flows grind lower. Um, and, you know, in some fund groups, such as emerging markets, really get quite choppy. Um, so, and uh, you know numer numerous reasons for that um a, a lot of people have already taken their SRI ESG exposure uh, up as high as they're comfortable with um and it is a theme that's getting you know um, harder scrutiny um also, I, I suspect <laughs> that there is a certain amount of rotation back to uh, non-SRI ESG because uh, that's where the value is. Uh, as we mentioned in last week's podcast, uh, you know, things like thermal coal prices <laughs> are, are off the charts. Um, so there's a, from an investment standpoint, there's still a last hurrah for the, uh, the unmentionables <laughs> on the non climate improvement side. I do want to go over and talk a little bit about Europe. Last week saw investors running to European money market funds. Uh, it seems like it's a little bit of a different uh, story than we would have expected at this point, or or maybe not with the the variant spreading. Um, do you think that this is, is just continued sentiment to uh, or against these markets, or is this structural? I think this is structural. Uh, during the second quarter, uh, the, the European money market funds, the big liquidity vehicles, um, you w was, was the group that recorded in, in uh, cash terms the largest outflow for the quarter, um, you know, I, I think indicating that confidence was rising and both individuals and businesses were uh, looking to spend again to capture a rebound that's certainly being priced into um, European e uh, equities. Uh, so far this quarter, they're the, the group that's seen the biggest inflows, which is, is a contrarian indicator. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, that uh, as the summer comes to an end, there's um, a lot to worry about in Europe um, from the, uh, the, the impact of, of a particularly wild summer in terms of weather uh, to the fact that the Merkel era is very close to ending. Uh, France is, is going through another bout of uh, political angst. Um, and COVID uh, is far from banished. Um, so the, the initial confidence in a, in a rebound, while it's still interestingly fairly high outside of Europe, 
um, and and from sort of a, an equity perspective, uh, you know, is still being penciled in. Uh, Europeans themselves are, are markedly less optimistic. Last week we talked about LATAM uh, funds, and I know we saw a little bit of of a continuation of the narrative this past week with both Mexico and Brazil funds. What did we see, Kim? Well, actually, we saw Mexico funds taking a bit more money uh, and Brazil funds see uh, quite a bit go out. Um, you know, in the case of Brazil, um, you know, th- there's a lot going wrong there. Um, I suspect, though, that uh, the flows there will begin to begin to rebound. Uh, and I say that because the COVID narrative is definitely beginning to do one of its shifts again, uh, though there's a lot of worry about the Delta variant. Uh, you know, there's a, a growing uh, number of experts who say that um, – you know, we've done about as much as we can to contain it and that, uh, you know, the costs of continuing to do so, uh, given its ability to mutate um, uh, and, and the relatively high degrees of protection, uh, cer- certainly in, in a number of the major economies, either through infection uh, or vaccination, uh, mean that we're where <laughs> it's sort of time to to get on with it. Does any of this have to do with oil? I know we've seen recent movements in oil markets. Obviously, it's a it's an economy that has some level of dependency. Um, do you think that any of that commodity play factors into some of the sentiment towards Brazil? Yes, yeah, certainly. But interestingly, less so on the oil side than the what you are called the soft commodities. Um, you know, it is a major producer of a number of them. <laughs> the one I am most interested in, of course, is coffee, but <laughs> it's, that's not the only one. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, a significant drought, the effect of COVID on uh, the, the seasonal labor force, um, allied to sort of broader problems outside Brazil, like the uh, the difficulty in getting shipping, have uh, really hit a key sector pretty hard. So what are you and the team going to be looking at over the upcoming week? couple of things. One is that cer- certainly we've been puzzling over why flows to the bond funds we track are quite so consistently strong, given the, you know, the already high levels of, of issuance, um, the push by uh, the current U.S. administration to spend even more money. Uh, you know, if they get everything they want, we'll be issuing another five, four to five trillion worth of bonds uh, in the next few years. Um, you know, the extremely low yields, but week after week, you know, eight, 10, 15 billion finds its way into these funds. So, going to dig into that a bit. And then, uh, you know, I think it, it, it's time for us to take our own stab at trying to work out what the new normal might look like, at least you know, from a, a, you know, a fund and portfolio capital uh, perspective. Um, a tricky thought exercise at best, but we're going to dig into that a bit this weekend and for some of the ones following. Great. I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Uh, thanks, Cam, and, and have a great week. I will. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast. 